welcome back to Not Alone, a podcast about faith, mental health, and how the church can bridge the gap between them. The theme for today's episode is capacity. How do you find your own personal limits, and how do you carve out time for yourself to rest? Here are your hosts, Michael McCord, Evan DeYoung, and Lindsay Geist. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Not Alone podcast, the podcast that explores faith, mental health, and just how deeply off-topic and inconsistent three people can be with episode length. So we are so excited that you have come back to join us. We are going to be talking about limits and capacity and what that looks like today. And I am joined, of course, as always, by Lindsay Geist and Michael McCord. I'll let them introduce themselves. Hey, everybody. It's Lindsay once again, United Methodist Minister and Licensed Clinical Social Worker. Michael McCord here, United Methodist Minister and uh, Campus Minister. It's good to be with you guys today. We were short and sweet today. We're practicing good that limits was. already. That's right. You guys That's are, right. You guys are on, on point. And of course, I'm Evan. I get to work with these wonderful people, and we're very excited to be able to chat again today. So when we talk about limits, capacity, it's a very popular topic, and all of those things kind of have fairly ambiguous definitions a lot of the time. Lindsay, do you want to kind of frame our conversation for us a little bit? Sure. Um, We're kicking it off strong. Capacity is something that has come up a lot during the last few months and has always been pretty present in the work that I have done with people. Capacity is uh, the limit or level that you have to be able to handle things or uh, accomplish things or the amount of energy or brain power or ability you might have for something. And I'm phrasing it in a kind of a vague way. because it will be helpful for us to put it in context talking about it. We all have different capacities in different times of our lives. Uh, Sometimes there are more things that we're trying to manage. And so we have less wiggle room for other things coming in our lives. Sometimes we have a much wider capacity uh, because of uh, just kind of our ability uh, to have less things on our plate in that mm. season. Yeah, I get that. I feel I feel that in a varying way. I don't know. I just feel like some days you can handle it, and some days you're like, "This is pretty normal. Like this is a pretty normal thing to have happen." And it is like I'm breaking apart today <laughs> because something didn't work out that way, or I feel very overwhelmed by like normal a normal task. So maybe I'll put it this way, is that we hold as a, a capacity that's generally the same all the time, but the threshold that we have until we hit that capacity changes uh-huh. sometimes um, based on the amount of things on our plate. And so it takes less to hit our capacity in seasons that we uh, are overwhelmed or we just are trying oh, to yeah. juggle a lot. Which is like, can be like an individual instance or a kind of consistent overtime kind of burnout type thing. Exactly. Yeah, it's. Um, I think this episode is for me because I am. <laughs> a, I'm a three on the enneagram. This is how we is, sneakily do this. this. I'm, this, I'm offering yeah, this y'all is, free therapy every time. <laughs> I, I uh, a three on the enneagram is is sometimes known as the achiever, 
I get a lot of satisfaction about in life, a sense of contentment and, and um, energy too, out of achieving things, about doing things and doing lots of things. The more things I do, the, the, the better sometimes I feel about myself. Um, and, and so this idea of capacity is one that I've dealt with my whole life because it, even as a kid, I would take on more and more things and then sort of reach this, this breaking point. And one of the things that's been really helpful over the last, I would say maybe four years is, is beginning to understand, have some sense of awareness about my capacity, um, and, and not see, uh, begin to shift my thinking because I would, I used to think that capacity was a weakness, right? So if I, if, if I, um, so let's say I could do 10 things at one time, but then if I did the 11th thing, I was going to pass out, right? Then I would think, well, if I just keep doing 10 things, I'm going to get stronger. And then I could do 11 things. Like it's working out, like somehow you, right. okay, now I can do 11 All of a sudden things. I'll create more energy and more right, time and right. I'll be able to somehow, take on more things. Somehow I will create more of myself if I just push myself harder because that's how it works. You will That's get larger. I, I will because and I'll you will start eat eating, stress eat more. I'll, <laughs> you will create literally donuts, more of yourself. <laughs> lots of apple fritters is what I'll start, and then I will. That get, sounds oh, so good right now. Apple I fritters. An apple. Danny's. Why pastry's got to be so bad for you? Like I that's so. Is, it's just not cool. It's just not right. Any in, in any case, I think so. So I think there's a point where you think my capacity is a sign of my weakness. Yeah. But there's an opportunity in that too, is to see maybe my, the awareness of my capacity is actually a strength um, because I can start to, to, to add to that capacity by adding people around me, around mm-hmm. something or, or giving something off or mm-hmm. that sort of thing. I think it's so true that our capacity, by seeing it as a sign of weakness at times, we almost start shaming ourselves that we can't do more or we can't fit more into our days or our schedules or our agendas. Um, And then we claim that there's something wrong with us. I shouldn't already be hitting my capacity. I should figure out more ways to have more energy. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a really interesting thing because I think for me, it like, I guess I'm more of an optimizer when it comes to that stuff. And so I, judge my capacity based on what I think my optimal potential capacity would be in a given situation. So like if I had, what I'm able to accomplish is a factor of how disciplined I was and was able to, and there's always, I always go backwards. So I'm always like, well, this wouldn't have happened if I would have just planned better a month ago. Like there's, I, there's like a, a strong degree of ownership that I think relates to how I feel about my capacity. And it is kind of in like post analysis. I don't think about it as much going forward. I'm not like, what do I need to do to be successful this week? Let me line up all of my tasks. Like I have to force myself to do that because I feel like it's the only way that I've been able to assess accurately going forward what my capacity for the week is and when I'm going to be stacked up and when I'm not. And I don't feel particularly good at it either. I think I relate a lot to Michael, what you've said about how that's kind of structured. And so it is a weird thing. I feel like there's there's like an internal understanding of our capacity, but capacity seems like one of those things that like an external perspective on can be really, really helpful. Does, does that seem to generally be the case, Lindsay? Uh, 
or Michael. <laughs> like Michael, when did you become was, me? But go for I, it. I was like, I, well, I, I just think I think what you said is really important. Uh, a couple things you said were really important that I wanted to to note is one is that the comparison issue. So not only do you have like this internal drive for me, it's a lot of a lot of my drive is internal. It's not really, I'm not looking at like, oh, Evan, why does Evan get to handle so much more than me? He's, why can't I be like Evan? But there are a lot of people, I think, who, who, who look at what they're going through and say, well, Lindsay can handle that. She seems to handle with such poise and grace. Like, why can't I be like, there's something wrong with me because I can't take on all the things that she's taking on. And, and I think that's where we get in really dangerous territory because we, because we all have different capacities in different scenarios. I mean, and I think you brought up a, a good point, how you look at yourself and the work that you do and the, the tasks that you have to do is very different in the way. And, and you and I have very different capacity levels. Um, and different you know, and things so, are filling it. Yeah. I mean, we have to honor the fact that uh, things that are filling up your capacity um, and getting you towards your limit a lot quicker is that you're trying to work from home, Michael, and trying to care for your kids and trying to do other things. Um, I, I gave up on the kids. They're just fending. Okay. Well, so then then we're back yeah. at the same baseline, right? I, I realized I had reached um. <laughs> my capacity. And so I just said, what can kids. we cut out? Kids, I, I, we can cut them out. <laughs> I saw them chasing a possum with two sharpened sticks and they'd made war paint. From. It was a it was a possum with the white stripe down the back. So I don't know. Just <laughs> <laughs> on its way. Go get them, kids. But what's interesting is that we compare ourselves, but we don't usually take all the factors into consideration of what is using other people's energy or time. Um, and there's a lot of times things that start filling us up and uh, taking our energy and leading us towards our capacity are not always things that we can see. So a lot of times emotions such as uh, grief or anxiety, or even, you know, trying to manage a household and think through everybody and where they're going to be. A lot of those things take up a lot of our energy and our capacity. Uh, but because we can't see those things, we don't count them. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I think underlying the underlying uh, kind of operations that are happening inside your 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 spirit, your energy, your brain are are really are the ones that are hard to see and identify. So if you have like an underlying, I think of um, some families that are really struggling financially right now, and, and there's a lot of uncertainty around their their jobs with the pandemic, and and so if you have that underlying stress and anxiety about making ends meet that can suck your ability to do anything else. And mm-hmm. then if your kids are home and you're home trying to work and that underlying capacity um, is just being soaked up, then then being able to handle you know multiple tasks at work that where normally you might be able to handle them. And I think that's mm-hmm. where, what we're, why we're talking about it now is you might be reaching a situation where you know four months ago, five months ago, you could have done all this. You could handle all these projects at work or you could handle all these projects at school. But now because so much of your energy is being soaked up by the uncertainty of the times we find ourselves in, the underlying stress of being home and feeling stuck, um, the financial pressures that you might be under, 
the uncertainty about whether school's going to start back or not start, like all that stuff starts sucking energy out of you. And so you can no longer handle the same amount of stuff you handled five months ago. Uh, Which says nothing happened. about you as a person. It's, it is it is easy to fall into that shame mode about ourselves of why can't I do it? But in reality, we need to be showing ourselves some kindness. Let's let's even use that word that we talked about in a previous podcast, self-compassion. Mm-mm. I know. Michael is making a cringy face right now um, <laughs> because he's like, oh, goodness, we're going to bring this back up. We have to actually be nice to ourselves. What? Yes. I mean, so what you're forbid. saying is this is not boot camp training or, uh, you know, because where you just push harder and harder that maybe that's not. Yeah, no, it, it's not like, how can I find extra minutes and put everything in my day and play, do the puzzle piece as well. And ta-da, I'll but be fine. Lindsay, guilt is how I motivate myself. <laughs> then we, we need to have an entirely different conversation about that, Evan. <laughs> that's, that's true. <laughs> I, but I think that's true. I think that internal dialogue and how we understand capacity does have a pretty significant connection because there is a way that we, kind of have to self-assess our capacity. And I do think a lot of the time, especially in our context in America, that the only way that we start to judge capacity is when we feel it getting close to the edge or we hit that limit. And then we're like, oh, that's where my capacity is. Well, I guess and that's then, where it is. And then we also often talk about that limit as failure. Ah, yes. That it's like, oh, I failed. I filled myself all up. Okay, I need to I need to be better at time management. I need to do other things versus honoring ourselves to say, okay, if I have all these regular things on my plate and I have X amount of space for threshold until I hit my capacity, mm-hmm. what choices do I want to make in that threshold that I have? And sometimes that threshold is very narrow um, until we hit capacity yeah. with all the things that are already on our plates. And sometimes during certain seasons of our life, that threshold is much larger um, because there's less things that we're trying to figure out. We're trying to juggle. We're trying to do. Um, I don't know about y'all, but in the middle of this crazy time of the pandemic, I don't, my threshold space isn't quite as big as usual. Yeah, I feel that. Even even though we have supposedly fewer things on our plate. Um, We don't have to be as many locations. Life should be easier is what some people have told me. I don't believe them, but people have told me that. Um, But my threshold space is much smaller until I'm burned out, until I hit my capacity and I'm done. Um, And sometimes we can, when we hit that burnout, sometimes it, it is a serious burnout. Sometimes it is a full on, you know, implosion. I don't know if Mm -hmm. any of y'all have ever hit that limit where you have had a total meltdown when you hit your capacity. I run from pain well before something that painful would happen. So I I kind of jettison things as I go. I'm kind of thinking of like, uh, you know, the, when you have an electric drill, the old, the old batteries on electric drill, you'd start drilling it. And as the battery got weaker, the, the energy would decrease and you could tell it was like, and then you need <laughs> yeah. to go put the battery on the charger. But now with lithium ion batteries, you start drilling and you go until it stops. Yeah. And I feel like that, that is like where so many pe- people we've lost any sense of warning that I'm on the brink and we just push harder and harder until we, till we just like drop. 
And then, yeah. and then you've got to figure out a way to sort of pull yourself back up. Well, and honestly, I, I miss, I miss that time in like power tools because that the moment when it was like winding down and almost dead when you got to squeeze it and you yank the trigger down and it just makes like a sad noise like it like it's like I need help it's like yes. and the little bit just kind of barely moves and you're like oh he's sad I gotta charge him uh it'll be done tomorrow, <laughs> tomorrow. That's right. i mean in some ways we're joking about the power tools but isn't that the truth for us like how many um when we can recharge we don't recharge instantaneously anymore it's like we yeah. will be better tomorrow or three days from now or something yeah, like a, that get yeah. a little distance from it yeah i think that's i think that's interesting i i okay so here's the question then if if a lot of the time we know just exactly. It feels kind of like a murky pool and you're just swimming and you don't really know where the edge is. And so like, if you're swimming with your eyes closed and you're reaching for the edge, I don't know if you've ever been in this situation, but like you kind of swim, but you're like making sure your hands are like further out in front of you, just in case you like hit the wall of the pool because you can't quite see exactly where the edge is. I had a friend who smashed his nose into the side of the concrete and he had like his whole nose was just like one giant scab and he he told us he told one of our teachers when we got back from summer break she's like how'd you get that scab and he goes i was in panama city and someone hit me with a bat wrapped in sandpaper and she goes oh my word <laughs> and she just kept referencing that he got sandpaper batted in the face it was the funniest thing to me. I was like, how did you I'm even think sorry. That? If if that teacher's listening today, I'm sorry that Evan was part of, party of a lie. That that Hey. You know. I, well, yeah. Anyway, so so I think I want to go back to a question you asked earlier that we kind of skipped over is is that outside You wanted to skip uh, over the sandpaper bat analogy? I I yes, I was trying oh, to sandpaper <laughs> bat was a story. It's not an analogy. <laughs> <laughs> okay, true. Yeah. Anyway, Michael, go back to the real so, substance. So this, of this idea of this third this third party kind of help. Like I think that that is where when we we I know this word gets probably um used a lot in our podcast, but this idea of being vulnerable with somebody and being and, and have a, a another party, another friend, someone you trust, a therapist who's like um, which is always helpful to me because if they read back to me all the things that I'm trying to do in this moment and why I'm having trouble doing them. And then when you hear someone read them back to you, you're like, oh, wow, that mm -hmm. is a lot. That's <laughs> yeah. um, <laughs> almost like a how, coach. How is that possible? Yeah. You know, is that you need someone to help you because when you're in the thick of it, it's hard to see yeah. what you're butting up against, you know? But if you had someone on the outside looking in the pool while you're swimming and, and noticing you're getting close to the edge, and they can help you with that, then you're, you're, you're less likely to, to, to fall off the edge, you know? To, and you're able to, to move with confidence in what you have yeah. too, because you, you know that there's somebody who you can trust. Yeah. You can actually, you it. can actually be more fully present in the moment because you've right. got someone, you know, in life who's helping you get through it. Um, you know, Evan and I do a bunch of consulting coaching work for, for campus ministries. And we talk about capacity there uh, as, as a leadership issue. So it's, we think about relational capacity in these ministries. So if, if we encounter, if I encounter a, a ministry that's struggling, that's sort of reached a peak uh, or a plateau and it can't get past it, it can't reach more, 
generally speaking, it's a capacity issue. It means that they don't have enough people working the system who have a relational capacity um, to, to serve all the students that they want to serve. And so your system is designed perfectly to get what you're getting. Um, and, and so you have to make some changes if you want to be able to reach more students, which means you've got to add capacity. You've got to add people to the system. Uh, that awareness at first to say, when you say to someone, I think your ministry is at capacity, often the first response is they feel really guilty, bad, sad, that they can't personally do more. But once you step back and you say, okay, this is about a capacity issue, I can add capacity by adding people, then you can, you, you can start to why, and, you, and you, it, it detangles itself from being a personal failure to being a tactical issue. And why, why I share that with you is it may be hard for you to talk about your limitations because it's so vulnerable. But if you start to talk to someone about it, then you get to detach yourself a little bit from, from, the, from that limitation and say, okay, what can I do to be able to do these things that I want to do? Are there ways that I can let go of some stuff that are no longer important? Can I get help in an area that if finances, for example, really stress you out, is there someone who can help you with that uh, and give you some, uh, some advice, a financial advisor who can help you chart out a path so that pressure's released so you can do more of the things that you want to do? So I think, I think when we're talking about capacity and limitations, help, outside help is one of the most um, powerful elements you can have uh, because it's really hard for you to look at yourself inwardly and say, okay, I can do this, this, and this effectively, and I can't do this. You just need, you need someone to talk you through that, that kind of process. Capacity often makes us start thinking that we failed at things when mm-hmm. we hit our capacity or even know where it is. But I wonder if knowing our capacity can also empower us to empower us to make choices of how we want to spend our time and energy in choices in that threshold before we hit our capacity. Mm -hmm. That we can choose what we're going to take off our plate and what we're going to add on. And some things can't be taken off your plate. Um, Michael, we've talked about how uh, you took your kids off your plate, jokingly, um, but you can't really actually take your kids off your plate um, as much as we laugh lots about it and have them, you know, out wandering the backyard or something, uh, that there are certain things we can't remove from our plates. Uh, we can't remove, uh, figuring out how to keep a roof over our head or feed ourselves each day. Um, or what's going to bring in some income to be able to pay the bills. Mm -hmm. There's lots of things we can't remove but we can choose other parts of it. I can choose who I spend my time with. I can choose what I commit to do versus not do. Uh, For me in the past, one of the things that I paid attention to is uh, always looking at my calendar, how much blank space and free space was there. When there wasn't as much blank space. It's an opportunity to add something. Is that correct? That's exactly what I was going to say. Please overload yourself. That, yes. That's an opportunity um, to schedule a Zoom meeting. Oh my goodness. That's the way y'all may operate. That is not the way <laughs> I operate. If there's not a lot of blank space, then that means that, uh, or space, I used to color code my calendar and we can talk about this in another episode about how Wait, I- you? 
I know you would have never guessed my planning self. I'm um, shocked. I know they have seen lots of documents that we have shared. Um, I haven't color coded any of those yet. Um, I'm lo- I look forward to the day. Okay, perfect. I'll build an Excel spreadsheet for that. Um, that's my specialty. But what I was going to say is that uh, using both this blank space and some of my color coding in the past, I always was able to look at what things were draining my energy and what things might be filling my energy mm. back up. Um, and and that helped me start thinking about capacity as well. If oh. I'm using all the stuff that's sucking away, what am I also doing to fill it back up, to kind of play the game till I hit my capacity. And, and I say game in a positive, helpful way. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, that's a really great question is how do we anticipate well what the rhythms of our life and week are going to be in, in relation to capacity? Because I think there is a way to look forward and do our best to make space for that. And then I think the other part of that is how do we understand systematically the things that are draining unnecessarily a large percentage of our capacity, those things that are weighing down on us and how do we look and anticipate what they are? Because we do an activity called the fill drain list where we just list everything we do. My wife and I do it and we just kind of list it out. It's like, this is the things that I do. I like it. This fills me up with energy. I don't really mind this at all. This is very draining for me. Uh, and you would be surprised in our lives, the things that we have people and teams at work, especially that you're responsible for that people have on their drain list that you look at and you're like, that is nothing. Like that is not a big deal. And when you kind of combine it all together, you're able to say, wait, that really stresses you out. That's, that's a three minute task for me and I don't care about it. And you kind of can shift around some of the emotional burden of responsibility within your home, within your workplace in a way that you realize everybody's just a lot happier here. And and so there's a lot of tools and things that you could do to kind of figure that out. And that's been, that was a huge life changer for me because I don't like, I don't care about giving the dogs their heartworm medicine. That doesn't stress me out at all, but it was like a big deal to have to kind of do that for my wife because she felt like it was important and there was like pressure on it because if you do it wrong, the dog could be harmed. You know what I mean? So when it comes to anticipating rhythms and planning for our capacity and kind of assessing what that is, what have you guys found to be helpful? I think sometimes it's a little bit of trial and error. Uh, We don't always innately know where it is, uh, but if we hit a boundary, we usually then know where it is moving forward. And so give yourself some grace that the first time or two you might bump up against it and there might be a little more burnout before you start picking up on some of the context clues Hmm. along the way. Um, We all have different uh, burnout context clues, I would guess, between the three of us, even here in this conversation that I know myself when I'm starting to hit my limit. Um, I need to, I am a super extroverted person, but if I'm starting to hit my limit, I need to schedule. I know, Michael, you look shocked right now. You're like, I had no idea. Um, But if I'm starting to near my threshold, 
I really need to finally call an audible and stay at home for an evening or two uh-huh. and kind of cross some of those things off my list, make sure I get a little more sleep. And then I feel ready to take things on again. Um, but I, I start sensing that about myself. I start getting this anxiety in the pit of my stomach. Um, I start struggling to be able to fall asleep at night because I'm always writing a to-do list. That's, that's usually my first warning signs. Um, as somebody that doesn't wrestle with anxiety that often, when it mm-hmm. starts showing up and infiltrating my thoughts a lot during the day, that's my alarm system to oh, myself. Yeah. You are nearing your capacity if your brain is having to work this hard, Lindsay, so to start on- trying to stay ahead of yourself. Yeah. So based on your past experiences, you can kind of anticipate, okay, when a situation like this kind of piled up together, I can recognize, hey, listen. I think that takes time. I think that's, you know, it takes, because it takes self-awareness and practice at that. I mean, I I think it's taken me um, years to sort of start to identify behaviors. For me, a lot of times it'll come out in behaviors, you know, like, I don't, oddly enough, I don't want to go work out. Like I just, it, it's, it's weird. Cause I like, I like, I like accomplishing and doing things. But then when I get under pressure, I just stop. I stop doing things. I do the very opposite thing that, that is me uh, by definition, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and, and then I get behind, which creates more anxiety. And it's a sort of the cyclic thing. So sort of being aware when you start of what are your, what are your symptoms when you're approaching that. And so one of the ways you can do that is just kind of track yourself, check in with your emotions. Uh, like you, we've had the emotion wheel. That's an option. Uh, the, the three sentence journaling every day, sort of figure out where you are so that when, when you hit one of these moments where you're feeling completely at capacity, think about what was I feeling bef- as I was approaching this? What was I thinking about? What was I doing? Because that can help over time for you to develop some warning signs uh, because we give them off. We, we, it's not true that we just run until we, until we, you know, flip the switch. We're giving off signals and signs. Maybe we're getting mm-hmm. irritated with our spouse. Maybe we're uh, getting angry easily with our kids, or maybe at, at work we're we're not functioning well. These are all signs generally that you're reaching a capacity level. And so I think training yourself to be observant of those. One of the mm-hmm. other big signs that I often see is people starting to get paralyzed by decision making. Is really? that uh, because they're recognizing they're going to hit a limit soon in some ways. And then they start freaking out about, huh. okay, what's the right decision to make? Or they start trying to make quick decisions to take things off their list. Impulsive decision-making. Yes. Oh, that's buying interesting. A big expense or something. Like I that. would have not thought about that. I would like, I just wouldn't, I wouldn't have expected that, that that's, it's, retail therapy is a great example of people mm-hmm. feeling overwhelmed and just needing to go spend money because right. it gets them out of the scenario that they're in. I mean, it makes total sense. That's just so interesting. That's the yeah. kind of therapist I want to be, by the way. <laughs> Man, like, I picked the wrong if you're interested path. In, yeah, if you're, Here I wanted to thinking, care about people. and Maybe I should have just gone to shopping. I will route. help you go spend your money. If you need retail therapy, you call me. Now, I'm not great at like clothes shopping, but if you want to buy a car, a electronic product, you just call me and I'll help. I'll be your therapist. 
You're Sherpa. Sure. <laughs> sure sounds you like you're, sounds like you're really going to be a therapist for people with some good money because the shopping that you want to do is not going to be cheap shopping. Michael, I don't need a fifth oven. You've already <laughs> bought me three ovens. Oh, but this oven. <laughs> oh, my don't goodness. Even understand. I, I think, yeah. you know, learning those alarm bells uh, is something that hopefully we pick up on over time. It can be frustrating that we don't see them sooner. Uh, but it almost always entails us hitting hitting that limit uh, a few times and burning ourselves out yeah. to then be able to pay attention. Oh, that boundary really is there. What's going on? Uh, okay. So we don't have to be mad at ourselves that we can't, like we don't have a crystal ball and can't figure out where it's going to be for the very first time before we hit it. Yeah. yeah and, okay. okay. Oh, go ahead. I'm, I, I'm, I'm going to move us on, so. Okay, let me just say this about that, that that not only do you do you need to start to identify your signs, but it would be helpful too if you come up with a response to those signs. Because generally when you're under pressure, the last thing you need to do is make a decision. You know, if 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 you're fatigued by all the decision making that you have to do or overwhelmed because of all the work that you have and all the projects, the last thing you need to do is to come up with a solution for you to get out of that funk. So sort of come up with some ready-made things that you can do. Like when I feel under pressure that I know that the thing I need to do is something physical that always makes me feel better. It every time, like if I just, if that's a walk, if it's go boxing, if it's playing with a dog in the yard, playing with the kids, it's do it's something physical that usually gets me, that's that's one of the most um, easily accessible relief points is is to do something physical. So so my when I'm in that moment, I'm recognizing the signs. I'm irritable. I'm anxious. I'm tired. I don't want to do anything. Then I need to go do something physical. And it's just <laughs> in my brain that I know to do that. I don't have to decide um, about that because I think that's where we get into trouble. Is that we okay? We see all this stuff, but I don't know what to do with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so thinking about things that give you release, that give you a sense of fulfillment or give you energy, like the, like the things that you've talked about that you and Holly do about things that give you life and things that are draining. So what are some things that give you life that you're, that are, that are easily, uh, something you can just do wherever you are. And that way you have some, some pivots to go to when you're under those high pressure moments. I think that's really interesting too. It's almost, you almost have like a go bag. Like it's like packing yourself like an emotional like snack that you can give yourself because you know you're going to be in a position where you need it. And I think that that's interesting. We we have uh, tried to anticipate stuff like that by making plans with somebody who will be relaxing to hang out with and has your best interest at heart. Like, you know, I have friends that you know are just really chill friends and they're going to be like, let's just go do something relaxing and channeling that like responsibility of like needing to check things off or have something on the calendar with a friend who's going to basically just help you relax Um, and kind of putting those things in tandem together, especially for those of us who are a little more extroverted. uh, It's important (laughs) to have people in our lives that help to guide that. Here's my question. When it comes to 
faith and capacity and our relationship with God and what we think we can handle compared to what God expects us to handle and the complicated interconnected relationship that those things have together. What have you guys seen in your lives and in the lives of folks that you've talked with about how complicated that is, that balance of what is my capacity and what do I think that God expects my capacity to be for these situations? I think it's a really rich conversation because there's a lot in the scriptures that one can use in outside of context that, that drives you in different directions. You know um, one of those, uh, you probably heard the phrase we've used it in this podcast, God will never give you more than you can handle, which is some sort of paraphrased phrase that comes from probably from first Corinthians chapter 10 um, that really, you know, and I think Paul's one of those really complicated individuals in particular, because he also says things like be all things to all people. Um, and he says and a I lot think, of things that sound very, very productivity and success. Yes. Focused. Yes. Like, yes. like do all the things the all the time and yeah. make everybody happy. But then you, but, but, and, and so I don't want to dismiss what Paul, because I think Paul's drive um, is, is life-changing and his compassion for people and for himself and for, for all kinds of people is really uh, life-changing and world-changing. And those are, those are good things. But I also think about, think about the greater rhythm that scripture gives us right from the very beginning. There's this idea of Sabbath, this idea that, that we work hard uh, and we also rest hard. And there's this balance between these kinds of, of, we, we've got a lot of responsibility to care for this creation that we've been given. That's Genesis. Mm-hmm. You know, you take all of this and care for this, but then you also need to take a day off. Even, even the creator rests. And so there's this, from the very beginning of our story, um, there's this idea of lots of responsibility, but also a recognition that you cannot do it all. Mm-hmm. And, and so I think that's a, that's a healthy way theologically to frame is that we do have a lot of responsibility and we've been given lots of, of things to do, but also what comes with that is a realization that we cannot do them by ourselves. I think that's also apparent in scripture because uh, you know, in the creation story, there's man and then there's woman. There's this idea that, that life exists in relation. We had the, the triune God that the, the creator exists right. in relationship. And so you can't do it by yourself. And then you're going to have to rest uh, in order to continue and to take care of all that you've been given. And so I think what you talked about, kind of like planning ahead, that's another coping mechanism. Another great way to, to plan ahead is to plan for your Sabbath. And, and, and you know you have a lot of responsibility, so schedule white space in your calendar. Um, schedule mm-hmm. time in, in outside, schedule time with your family. Because people who, who live and die by their calendars, if it's not in there, you won't do it. Right. And so Sabbath, the idea of Sabbath is, is something that's scheduled. It's regular. It's, it's ever coming and ever something to look forward to and to give thanks for when you, when you've walked away from it. And I think that's something you can add to, to life. Let's talk a little bit about Sabbath because I think it is a, it's a central theme in scripture and faith and how we interface with the idea of rest capacity 
what God would expect of us. I think some of us are big rule followers. And so the, the litigious law like nature of the old Testament and the created order are very, very important. Like the way that God intended it. Like we're always trying to get back to the way that God intended it, that we went off course and that, that life needs to be a return to something, not a movement forward into something, into kingdom. So I'm obviously not one of those crazy litigious rule follower. Like, I feel like there's a lot of gray area. I know, I know. I just want to confess. Not that those things are bad, but when it comes to Sabbath rest and rhythms, from your perspective and your experience, you've got one out of seven days, right? You've got about 14, what, 14% or so probably of your time where you're supposed to kill yourself for six days and then 14% of the time you get to rest. And a lot of the time that is the way that that is portrayed and expected as how we should rate our capacity is six days of grueling 100% work focused life. And then you get 14% of your time to just crash. And then you have to go just storm off for six more days. And I think a lot of the time, that's what we think God expects of us is for us to work like an infinite divine creator. What are we supposed to do with that information and the culture that we get raised in? Just What's hard it. is that we're just... <laughs> okay. Well then that's the it. end of the episode. I mean, no problem. <laughs> All right. Um, I, I think that it's, it's really hard to sit in this tension because culture around us focuses on success and productivity. And those are the things that uh, give us value and worth, uh, we believe. And so uh, we're always going, going, going. And then at that point, Sabbath is nothing about filling ourselves back up. It is simply us being almost dead to the world and exhaustion. It's and more so, like a crash scene. Right. And that's not Sabbath. That's just, I mean, being hung over from the rest of the week of uh-huh. that our bodies just can't manage. There's this recovery uh, that we're trying to do and get back to feeling somewhat human to be able to survive six days again. Sabbath should really be about connecting with God and rejuvenating our souls and what is pouring into us instead of just how are we surviving? Hmm. Yeah, I think it, I think the idea of Sabbath is more about rhythm than it is about rule. Um, And the idea that, that work and rest go hand in hand Um, creation and celebration of that creation and rest in it go hand in hand. And so if you look at every day um, as, as a microcosm of that story of Sabbath, so there's this working and resting in every day. And then in every week there's working and resting in every week. And in every month there's working and there's resting every month. And then you start to build up a rhythm of life where, where you're able to handle um, more healthily, the work that you, the responsibilities that you've been given, because you're also handling the responsibility of rest that you've been given. Um, and, uh, you know, to see that as a, as a holy and a sacred act rather than a sign of weakness, which is what I think what, what Lindsay's getting at is it's like, it's this idea that not working is weakness, 
but it's actually a sign of strength and maturity because you realize to be more efficient in and effective in those other seven hours, if you take it down to, to hourly time, seven hours and then and then an hour off, uh, or you know this, or six hours and an hour off, um, I guess technically, um, <laughs> then then you start to see that you're m- more present in those moments mm-hmm. after you've rested than if you didn't rest at all. Um, you know, it's, it's just, it's, and it doesn't escape the church. This is, this is, you probably witnessed this. We pastors, uh, feel that our worth because we're getting paid to, to care for people. And so we believe that the harder we care for people, the more sacrifice that we give, the, the more it hurts, the more it's all worth it. And so we just give and we give and we give until pastors have a high burnout rate. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, they end up making very bad decisions and becoming very unhealthy because, because the, the belief system we've created, the theological belief system is that, that our worth is based on how many people we help. Um, and so we give everything away and we keep nothing for ourselves and we end up perishing, um, either figuratively or physically. Um, and, and so I think getting the sooner you can get into rhythm with your kids, helping them establish a sense of rhythm of work and rest. Um, and then, and you practicing that in your own life, the healthier we become, the more present we become, um, and the more aware we are of, of, of who we are and what we're going through. It's so interesting that in a, a system of belief like Christianity, where where we're justified by grace, like we're made right because of grace and not because of what we do, we're like, great, I'm justified with God by grace, and in everything else, I'm 100% justified by works. <laughs> like. Mm-hmm. It, it's almost it's the only way our brains work and so, so weird it requires paying attention to undo what uh what society and feels really innate in us to be it's like i better prove that i am worth it i better prove that i am producing something i better prove that i can handle everything and and god doesn't need us to prove things Let me say something else. Your spouse doesn't need you to prove that you can do it all. Your children don't need you to prove that you can do it all. Your coworkers don't need to that, that you have to prove that you can take on more than anyone else. What your children and your spouse and your coworkers and yourself long for is a fully present you. Your kids will love you more deeply and more compassionately if you're there for them, if you can be there with them. Your spouse will love you and, and care for you more if you can be there with them. They're, they're, it, it, it's, it, it's hard for me to even say those words because of where I find my own internal meaning, you know, it's about accomplishing things. But and we think that that's what people love us for. But what they want is you. That's what they love. They don't love what you do. They love who you are. And the only way for that to really be experienced is if we learn what our capacity is, what our healthy level of responsibility is, and finding ways to intermittently throughout our life, through every day, through every moment, finding some time to rest so that we're recharged for that next moment in which we can be fully present. Amen.
So we're gonna wrap up now so we can all go rest. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Now I'm going to go toil some more. I'll see you. I'll be over in the toiling no, it, chamber. I don't have any white space in my calendar, so I'm gonna hop off this Zoom call and go into another Zoom call mm. where I can find fulfillment in the work I, that I do. Thank you very much for uh, everybody's time and the conversation. We've got, uh, there's some things that we didn't get to that we'll pick up on a future episode as well, everybody. So um, we're, we'll, we'll do some episodes on what to do when you hit the limit, what that looks like, uh, when that, that process actually happens, how to kind of triage that. Uh, and then I, I want to talk more as well about what the balance between not having that crazy expectation of your capacity, but how to challenge ourselves well within that. So how do we how do we safely explore what it looks like to figure out what our capacity is and to push ourselves a little bit? So what is a good way to push and set goals and things like that? So thanks. We'll see you next episode. Appreciate you listening. Uh, and uh, all the info for everybody will be in the tags. So we'll be good. Thank you for listening to Not Alone. If you have questions that you would like to have addressed on the show at some point, you can go message us on social media. We'll include the links down in the episode description. Also, if you like the show, make sure you give us a rating and review on iTunes or Spotify and uh, tell your friends about it too. Thank you and see you next time.